Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, before we get started, I just need to let you guys know, we do have a 9 o'clock service, okay? And there is some room there. So if some of you would like to, you know, get up a little bit earlier maybe and, uh, and join us at 9 o'clock, we do have a little bit more room there. So, um, but thanks for being here this morning. We're in the series um, going through the book of Luke and through Luke's gospel. And, and one of the things that you find as we've been going through this together is that there, if you could boil down Jesus' message, if you could boil down his life, you could boil it all down into one word, which is grace. That, that's really at the heart that what Jesus came to do and, and the message that he proclaimed was this message of grace that the kingdom of God is now available to everyday ordinary people like you and me. And it's not something that we've deserved or earned. It's what he has done for us. That God has now opened up through his son, Jesus Christ, a new way to live. And this new life is the life that we were designed to live all along. But it's the life that we've missed out on because of our own faults, our own failures, our own sin, our own outright rebellion at times against God and his ways. And God didn't leave the situation like that, that he intervened, that he sent his son, that Jesus Christ came and lived a life of grace, taught the message of grace, proclaimed the kingdom of grace. And then at the end of all of that, what he did was he took upon himself the guilt and the sin and the shame of you and I. And paid that price on the cross. That he absorbed all the punishment that our sin deserved and took it upon himself. And then not only absorbed all of that pain and punishment, but overcame it and rose from the grave with this power over death, sin, and hell and the power of a new life. And that life he now turns around and gives to each and every one who will receive it as a gift. That it's not something that you earn. It's not something that you deserve. Even your best efforts, my best efforts, could never be good enough. And so God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And he did it and then turns around and gives it back as a gift. That's grace. That is the gospel, if you will, the good news. That God has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I wonder, why would someone reject that? Why would, why would someone not want to get in on that when God has done everything possible and done everything that needs to be done so that we could just simply trust in Him? Why would somebody not want that? And yet, if you're like me, you probably have friends, you probably have family members who just seem resistant to that message. That for whatever reason, they just don't seem to be able to get on board with it. They don't, they don't really want to become a follower of Jesus. And, and I wonder sometimes, why is that the case? Is it me? Am I, not, am I not making the message clear? Am I not saying it the right way? Am I not using the right words? Am I not explaining it correctly? But if you look at the Gospels, and you read the story of Jesus' life and his ministry, you find not everybody, even in his day, responded. That there were crowds of people that followed him, crowds of people that got in on it, that he lived this life of grace in such a way that people who were the outsiders became the insiders and, and, and gravitated to him. But there were also those who rejected him. There were those who, who were his detractors, who wanted to debate with him, wanted to argue with him. And so Jesus told the story, because as he's preparing his disciples, he's saying, I want you to understand there's something going on here. And in Luke chapter 8, he told them this story. If you want to turn there and follow along. Because it's really at the heart of what you need to understand when it comes to this whole idea of spiritual development. 
Luke 8, beginning in verse 4, it says, While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And then he said this. He called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And his disciples looked at him and said, well, that's a nice story. But what does it mean? <laughs> we don't get it. Is there, is there something here we're not catching? And so in verse 11, Jesus picks up and said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those sown along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed sown on good soil stands for those with noble and good hearts who hear the word of God, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Jesus is saying here, through this story, he says, when it comes to spiritual development, when it comes to things of the spirit, things of the heart, he said, you need to understand, there's more than meets the eye. There's something going on here. And there's a couple of things here from this that I want to look at this morning that will maybe help you understand what goes on in your own heart, what goes on in your own life, and what's going on in the hearts and lives of those around you that you long to see get in on this life. One of the things he makes it very clear is don't be surprised. Not everybody responds to the Word of God the same way. In fact, they don't even respond to the Word of God in the same time frame. What Jesus often did in his teaching was he used very common everyday occasions or everyday events um, or observations to, to help them understand spiritual truth. And so we would often use these stories. They're called parables. And the word parable simply means to throw alongside or to lay alongside. And what he's saying is, okay, here's something that you understand. Now, if you understand it in a way, that kind of compares to this, which you don't understand. And so we would use a common event. And, and this was a very, very agricultural society. And, and you can probably imagine, even as he's telling the story, there's maybe a farmer over here, and he's sowing his seed. And you saying, okay, the kingdom of God is like this. See that guy over there as he's sowing the seed? See, see how he's scattering the seed all around? Not all of it's going to grow up. Some of it's fallen in places where it's just not really going to get the best chance to grow. And that's just like the kingdom of God. He told a very familiar story to help them understand a deeper truth. And what he's trying to get them to understand is there's more that meets the eye. There's more going on than you can really see. This is the part that you see, but there's a part of it that you don't see. When it comes to spiritual development, spiritual growth, um, matters of the heart, he says you need to understand that it's all part of a process. That it doesn't always happen all at once. That there's a whole process to this spiritual development. That for someone to come to a point where they, they put their faith in Christ, for someone to come to the point where they re- understand the word of God and they want to entrust their life to him, there's something that needs to happen before that. Before someone can get to that point of decision, they need to understand and know what it's all about. 
That, that people need to understand the Word of God, that it needs to be taught in a way that they, they understand it and have it explained to them in a way that it's understandable. Before, because before they can make the decision, before they can, long before they can make the decision, they've got to be aware that they have a need. And the only way they're going to have the awareness of their need is they need to understand what the Bible says about their condition. And, and some people weren't even be ready for that. There's some people that aren't ready to hear and understand the Word of God because they don't even believe the Bible. It's like, that's a book that was written 2,000 years ago. What does that have to do with me today? So there's some people, they have to kind of, something that's to come into their life that makes them aware that this is something worth listening to. And some people aren't even there yet. Some people are at this further end of the spectrum where, where they don't even know anything about it all. So you got to understand, there's this whole process. And in fact, once a person comes to a decision of faith, that first step, there's a whole lot of steps that go on beyond that. This, this is a long continuum. This is not a single event in life. This is a part of a long process. In the same way that seeds are planted and take some time to take root and to grow. And even those that are planted, not all of them take root. Not all of them grow. So you got to understand, there's a process. And sometimes your place in the process for somebody is, is to enter into the, at this point just to help them understand that there is a Bible that impacts your life because they can see it in your life going on. And, and maybe you invite a friend to come to one of, your, one of our community groups or to a Sunday morning message because they want them to hear the word in such a way that they can understand it. And that's what we try to do here is, is teach the word of God in a way that it makes sense. And so maybe you know, your, your step is just get them to a place where they can hear it because everybody's at a different place in the process. He said, the word of God is like seed that's being planted. And there's a whole process to that. He says, when it's planted, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and with it and choked the plants. What he's saying is the word of God, it's like a seed. And every seed holds the potential for a new life. Every seed holds that potential. Every seed, the, the seeds are exactly the same. They're all the same seed. They all hold that potential for life. They all have that potential for development and growth. But, but he said, there's another variable here. It's not the seed. It's not the sower. It's the condition of the heart. But the greatest determiner on whether or not the word of God takes root and starts to grow and really begins to develop is it, it really comes down to the soil. And he's saying some soil is like, some hearts are like hard ground. They're like the, the seed never even gets a chance to penetrate. It just sits there on the surface and that's as far as it goes. And there are some people that are like that. They're just at a point in their life where it has no meaning to them. That they don't understand it. They don't even want to listen to it. And, and so it doesn't get any further. Now he said some people, some people do get that. And it does get down into them and it begins to make sense. And they begin to believe and they begin to move forward. But they get to a point where they don't go any further. And maybe just kind of wither off and die. And they look like just a great promising new life in Christ. And, and it all starts off really, really good. But it goes for a while and then it just kind of withers away. It has to do with the condition of their heart. He says sometimes it's, it's like seed planted among thorns. And the seed grows up okay. But there's so much other stuff there fighting for the nutrients in the soil. There's so many different priorities. so many different things going on. That it just never really gets a chance to grow and mature. So everybody's at a different place. In this whole process, people are at different places, and you probably know that. In fact, you probably know that process in your own life. Somewhere along the line, in your growth and faith, in your, in your step of faith, somewhere along the line, somebody lived a way in such a, that you thought, you know, there's something about that person. It might have been your parents growing up. 
It might have been somebody else. It might have been a coworker. Might have been, but there's something in there. And you go, there's something in their life that I, that's not in mine. And, and then maybe they brought you to a youth group or, or brought you to a church or to a community group or to a Bible study. But you got into a place where you started to, to read the Bible and, and begin to understand it and wrestle with the implications of it. And you got to a point where you understood, well, that's talking about me and I got to do something about this. It might vary how it all happened, but everybody goes through that process some way, shape, or form. He said, you need to understand that in the lives of the people around you. Everybody's at a different place in that process. And the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, there's a little bit of that, each of those soils in every one of our lives. Because even those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, there are aspects of our life that are like stone ground. It's like, you know, we can sing on a Sunday morning, I surrender all, but God, don't talk to me about my finances because that's my thing. You know, hands off my relationships and don't even begin to talk to me about my sex life. That's my thing. Okay, keep your hands off. I surrender all, but not these parts of my life. There is something in every one of us. There are parts of that kind of soil in each of our lives. He says, you need to understand that. What needs to happen is a conditioning and a preparation of the soil. Because not everybody is at the same place. And that's the part that you see. This is the part that you don't see. It's what's going on on the inside. That not everybody responds to the Word of God in the same way. And the reason is because different people have different obstacles to faith. Everybody's got a different obstacle that they've got to overcome. A different objection, maybe, that they have, that they have to overcome. And it's different in every person. He says some of them, it's like seed along the path. They're the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they may not believe. The seed never got a chance to penetrate. Because the path was hard. Now, I was thinking about that this week. What does it make somebody's heart hard toward the Word of God? And there's a little bit of a hint to it. Back in verse 5, he said, Some fell along the path, and it was trampled on. I think there was an emotional hardness that happens sometimes to people. It's just this, the circumstances of life, maybe trampled down by life, or trampled down in a relationship, or sometimes, sometimes it's even churches. That they've been hurt or burned by a past church experience. I have a really, really good friend who called, he, he was a self-described agnostic. He said, in fact, I, he kids me a lot about this whole thing. But, but he, and we talked about it. And one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons is experiences that he had in a church growing up. And that has so hardened him that he really has no interest at all or very little interest at all. In the things of God. Because at that point in his life, he just walked away from it and says, forget it. I don't need any of that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's an emotional hardness from being trampled on, from being hurt. Because that's what happens when we're hurt. We protect ourselves. Sometimes it's not an emotional hardness. I think sometimes it's an intellectual hardness. Where just our preconceived ideas become so ingrained in us to become prejudices. And it just closes off. There's people who just don't want to hear about it. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Word of God. They don't believe any of those things. And don't even bother me with talking about it because I don't want to talk about it. And it just, they've made up their mind. And there's no farther that they're going to go in any kind of discussion. He says some people are like that. Now, if you've got someone like that in your life, one of the things you can do is, well, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that way? Why would you be so closed off that you're not willing to even talk about or think about the possible existence of God. What makes you so sure? 
Because if somebody's in that point, you're not going to be able to just, just preaching, you know, and, and just laying it on them over and over again is not going to do any good because the, the ground's hard. You just look at find out why is it so hard? This is another group of people. He says, for these people, it's like people who have no root. Those, on the, the, those who fell on the rocky soil are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. How does that happen? I think the biggest contributing factor to rocky ground faith is unpracticed faith. I think we can come and listen to messages. We can sit here on a Sunday morning, listen to somebody talk. We can go to a Bible study and we can pull the words apart and we can study it all. But if we never put it into practice, into our lives, it it becomes meaningless noise after a while. It never really penetrates into everyday life. It's just an intellectual discussion, thought process. But if we never put it into practice, that's what happens. It's like it never takes any root. And for it to take root, it's got to get into our hearts. It's got to get into our lives. We've got to start interacting with it and thinking about it. How does it apply to my life? It's one of the biggest reasons why we encourage everybody to get into a community group. Because one of the things that we do in our community groups is we not only look at the passage and what does it mean and what does it say, but how am I going to put it into practice this week? And we started doing this in our staff meetings before we started instituting it into our community groups. And one of the things we did, we'd start holding each other really, really accountable. And we'd say things, well, you know, there's a friend of mine who, you know, I, I need to, I'm going to make a phone call this week. And say, okay, okay, when are you going to call them? Well, sometime this week. Well, tell me the day. When are you going to call? Because we started writing it down. Started holding each other accountable. There's somebody that I need to go and forgive. There's somebody I need to go and ask forgiveness from. When are you going to do that? Uh, sometime soon. No, when are you going to do it? Because sometime soon never comes. When are you going to do it? And we started writing it down, okay? This week on Thursday, I'm making that phone call. And then the next Tuesday when we got together, we go around the circle and said, how would you do with that phone call? I never got around to it. See, the thing in our community groups, and one of the things we're really trying to institute is, what will you do with this this week? Do something. And that's why at the end of each of these sermons as we've been going through this, we've given you an assignment. Be a better friend to somebody. Find a way to express your friendship to somebody else. Do something good unexpectedly for an enemy, somebody who doesn't like you. We're giving you a very specific thing because if you start doing these things, it really puts your faith to the test. And when you put your faith to the test, it starts to take root and it starts to grow. And that's why we do that. Here's another big way. If you have never been baptized, baptism is a very important first step for a believer because it's doing something. See, it's one thing to say, yeah, I put my faith in Christ. Yeah, I decided I'm going to follow Jesus. But when you stand up in front of friends and family, in front of your church family, you say, this is the decision from this day on. This is the direction I'm taking for my life. That's doing something. And that's why we put such an emphasis on baptism. Baptism itself doesn't save you. It's your faith in Christ that saves you. But there's something tangible about baptism that says, I've done something about it. This is my stake in the ground. This is my no turning back moment. And that's why it's so important. Because unpracticed faith faith becomes impractical faith. It becomes theoretical faith, which eventually becomes no faith at all. Because we think because we made a mental agreement to a certain set of standards that that was good enough. 
but we never implemented them into our life. And so it's really just we thought we did, but we didn't, and so we don't. It's one of the biggest contributors to this. There's a third group of people. This is, this is the problem of competing priorities. It said, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Specifically said, it's the stuff of life that gets in the way. It's the stuff of life. It's the, all the stuff that we have. It's all the stuff that we don't have, but we want. Or it's, a staff, it's all the stuff that we do have, but we're afraid we might lose, and so we hold on to it. He said, that's the stuff that gets in the way of growth and maturity. It's a whole bunch of stuff that keeps you so distracted and going so many different directions that there's no real serious direction for your life. It's the stuff of life that kind of just gets in the way. It's all these competing values and priorities, these things that, that life just happens and I got to do this and I got to do that. And then pretty soon after a while, you're doing nothing. And I think this one maybe speaks to 21st century Americans more than any other because we have so much stuff. We have so many activities. We have so many things that we're involved in. We have so many things that we We have so many distractions. You don't, have to, you don't have to, for a moment, be alone with your thoughts. If you're stuck waiting in a doctor's office, I go to the doctor's office, I got to go wait in the waiting room, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, I don't have to wait, I don't have to read and browse through five-week-old or five-month-old magazines anymore. You know, I can sit down, I can, I can pull out my phone here, and I can play words with friends. You know, or Sudoku, or Solitaire. So I, I, can, I can distract, I can text people, I can do all kinds, I have all kinds of things I can do. I never have to be alone with my thoughts. I never have to take some time to just meditate. And I think you've got to carve out that time. You've got to make that a priority. You put a priority on it. Because that's how you grow. Because if it's not practice, if it's not, if it's not a priority for your life, it becomes just one more thing. And all the other things around it choke it out. You said, that's what's going on below the surface. And it happens in your life and it happens in my life. And that's the same thing that's happening in the lives of those around us. Those people that we long to see enter into the relationship with God. They're battling the same things that we are. Because that's what's going on. That's what's happening behind the surface. But, he said, here's the good news. We can make a difference. You and I can make a difference. If we are sensitive, if we are aware, if we're paying attention we can help people remove those obstacles that keep them from faith. If we're sensitive to it, if we're paying attention to it. See, our job as a church and our job as individual Christ followers is not so much to just keep scattering seed, but to help prepare soil. We need to understand what's going on. I think that's the call that Christ has put on our lives is to help prepare soil. What are we going to do that will help people be softened a little bit more. In fact, that's, that's really at the heart of, of our mission as a church. That, that our whole idea of trying to change the way people view the church is so that all those preconceptions and pre- prejudices and all those things that have hardened people's hearts over the years would be softened. Our goal is to soften people's hearts so they can hear the message of Jesus Christ. They can hear this great, great news of grace and experience it for themselves. And so we do everything we can to remove all those obstacles and all those barriers. And you can do that. You can do that in the lives of your friends. If you're sensitive to it, if you're paying attention, you can join in God's work in people's lives. But here's the key. And he said it in verse 8. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The key is to listen. The key is to listen. 
learning to listen to God, learning to listen to the hearts of the people around us. Now, I'm half deaf, okay? So for me, it's he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, okay? But here's the thing I have discovered. Because it, it, I'm much more sensitive to it, as I began to lose the hearing in my right ear, I'm totally deaf in my right ear. That means I have to work extra hard at listening. It means when we go out to dinner with a group of friends, I have to choose the right seat so that my right ear is in there. Because if I'm sitting next to somebody on my left, on my right, they're not, I'm not going to hear a word they're saying. They're going to think I'm the worst conversationalist in the world. And it's just, I don't hear them. I have to position myself in such a way that I can better hear the conversation at the table. When I hug somebody, I have learned I have to hug on this side. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, when people hug you, they usually say something, you know, and somebody, you know, comes and you hug them and they whisper something and I'm hugged on this side and I don't hear a word they're saying, you know, and I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're saying, me, my husband left me, you know, and I'm like, well, I, you know, it just doesn't disconnect. You know? It doesn't work. So I have learned that I have to, when I go to hug, I try to hug on this side, which causes some problems sometimes because people are used to hugging on this side, and so you kind of almost bonk heads. You know, you got to kind of maneuver. And I keep turning this way, you know. I have learned because of my hardness of hearing that I have to make extra effort to listen. Listen, the truth is to hear somebody's heart, you've got to make extra effort because that's not the stuff you hear right away. But if you're sensitive, if we learn to listen, learn to hear people's hearts, if we learn to find out what's going on there, having extended conversations, investing in relationships and, and friendships where we really get to know people and really invest in their lives, opportunities open up. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. That usually happens over a long period of time. There are friends that I have that I have had friends for like 10, 15 years. And I long for them. I long for them. I pray, pray that they would discover this life that I have. And I don't understand why they don't get in on it. Because it's just such a wonderful thing. And it's an incredible thing. And it's not anything you've got to earn or deserve. God gave it to us freely. Why wouldn't you want to? And I pray for them and I long for them. But I also know there are different places in the process. And if I can join in in that relationship and maintain a friendship over the years and, and speak those words of truth and, and live those words of truth with them, hopefully, hopefully, they will see in me a picture of Jesus. They would see in me a, a picture of His grace. That's what we can do. I think our biggest job as Christ followers, is just help prepare soil, people's hearts, so they could hear about this great news. It starts with us. Like I said, there is a little bit of all of those soils in every one of us. But what we want in our own hearts is that good soil. And Jesus described it this way. The seed on good soil stands for those with noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. In other words, he said, the way that you soften your own heart towards God is you hear the word. You make it a priority. You, you, you make it a priority. You, you spend some time reading his word. You get involved in a community group and you study his word together. You make Sunday mornings a priority so you can learn and, and find out more about what his word has to say. You hear it. 
Because it won't go any further if you don't even hear it. So you make that a priority. Good soil is, is making it a priority to learn to listen to God's word, to read it for myself, to study it for myself, to find as much as I can out about it. And then the next step is to retain it. And that means I don't just hear it. It's, I, I take it into my life. I take it into my heart. I start using it as, okay, what needs to change in me? Where does this hit my life? How, how, how do I need to react to this? And then to produce perseverance, to produce a crop, that I actually put it into practice. What attitudes need to change? What actions do I need to take? How do I need to respond and put this into my life in a very practical way? That's how you keep the soil good. And what happens is when you continue to keep your heart softened towards God and you learn to listen to His voice, what it does is it also gives you ability to be soft and listening to the hearts of the people around you too. It starts with us. But as we become more sensitive and more softened to what God's speaking in our own hearts, we become more sensitive and softened to what He might be speaking into the hearts of people around us. And then we become a part of what He's doing. We have said as a church that our biggest goal, our mission, our purpose is to help unchurched people become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. That we want to change the way people view church. And the way that they're going to see that is they're going to see it in the changed lives of you and me. And then we want to do everything we can to help them get in on it. Now, if you're here this morning and, and you're here as a guest, somebody invited you, they dragged you off to church, they bribed you with lunch or something like that. And now you're sitting there and thinking, oh, okay, now I get it. I'm a project. Okay? You're not a project. You're not a project. The reason that person invited you this morning, the reason they wanted you to be here, is because they have discovered something that is life-changing. They have discovered something so incredible that they can't keep it to themselves. And if I could use an analogy, and it's not a very good one, it would be like if a friend of yours found a great, great restaurant good food at a great price and they never told you about it. Or, or even bigger than that, they got in on an investment that just doubled their money in, in, in six months. And, and it keeps doubling and it just, man, they're just, everything's going good for them. And, 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 and then you find out that they made this investment and they never told you about it. That's not a very good analogy, but it's the best I can do. They have discovered something that is life-changing. And it's the God life. It's the life that we were always intended to live. And they just brought you here because they want you to get in on it. And that's at the heart of it. So for those of us who are Christ followers, this is your assignment this week. And this is going to be a little vague. We've given you some very specific, very concrete things that you can do. This one's a little vague. Here's your assignment this week. Practice listening to somebody's heart. That's going to take some effort. And I can't tell you how to do that one, okay? This is the one that you're going to have to figure out on your own. But hopefully as you've been investing in people's lives, as you've been building those friendships, as you've been acting in grace toward people who aren't very gracious to you, hopefully you're building bridges. Or maybe there's somebody close to you. And maybe it's just spending time with them and just finding out what's going on in your life. And instead of talking about surfacey stuff, get down to the heart of it. But the assignment this week is with somebody, and maybe they come to your mind right now, with somebody, have a meaningful conversation and start listening to their heart. All right? Let's close with prayer. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Thank you.